as we're here. Greatness. God wants greatness for our lives and his wish for us is that we engage with him in partnership with the plan he has to change the world. And uh, we, we saw a great example of the enlarging machine yesterday. Unfortunately, it broke when the motorbike was put in a second time. But we've worked really, really hard on it all last night. We just managed to get it fixed before the service today. So I'm wondering if someone's got something we can put through it to, uh, to try out. What, what will they think of next? We have a king. The king has a scepter. Why don't we throw the scepter in and see what happens? The scepter. Some people just want to try everything. Unfortunately, the sound broke. We weren't able to get that fixed. I wonder what will happen to the king. The king probably wants to become the emperor, something bigger, something greater, some fantastic riches, who knows what. (laughs) The greatness God has is not riches and, and fantastic things but actually servanthood. Amen? Using the enlarging machine, we're able to dream about things becoming greater. And yesterday we spoke about God wanting greater things for your life and how the fact that we partner with the Holy Spirit, which we need to do greater things, God can do things with us. He wants to partner with us. He doesn't want to work instead of us. He wants to work with us. And Christmas is a time we celebrate Jesus' birth. But he never came to earth as a king, he never came as God, he came as a servant. He came to serve. He was born in the straw, in a stable surrounded by dirty, smelly animals. Once he was born, he was wrapped in a blanket and placed in a makeshift bed, a feeding trough for animals, hardly suitable for a king, but enough for a servant child to get his first night's sleep in the world. Jesus lived as a servant He modelled greatness by becoming a servant for us. And the reason can be found in John 15, 17, greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. What I love about this verse, I mean, we understand the concept of, of servanthood, of Jesus coming as a servant, but sometimes I wonder whether we really get the depth of what that is. And as I was looking at this, the original language, the word friends implies very, very close loved ones. Now, my understanding of that is you can do hospitality really easy. We can serve people really easy. But when the visitors leave, that's the time we go, now I can relax. And that's the time when you start serving your family that you start demonstrating love. You're not serving because you have to. You're now serving family because you want to, because you want to put them first. And this is the example here. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. People you should be serving, that's fine. But greater love has no one than this than to, you serve, than to serve those people you should be able to relax with, to serve your family, to do, to do things like that with family who are very, very close. Greater love has no one than this. 
Jesus, God, didn't come to be served. He came to serve. He came to put you first. And I was thinking, we've been watching the series The Crown on, uh, on Netflix, and I was thinking, what would happen if the Queen was to suddenly get up one day, change her clothes and say to all her servants, listen, you sit down. I'm going to make you a cup of tea. I'm going to do your hair. I'm going to do your makeup and dress you up so that you look like the Queen of England. Who thinks that would ever happen? Probably not. But the concept of royalty serving somebody under them. And yet Jesus, as God, came to earth and said, I'm not just royalty, I'm the king of kings, but I'm going to come and I'm going to serve you. I'm going to demonstrate what servanthood is to you. And the reason that's really important is because he died for us and he had to become subject to death because God is not subject to death. But he had to become subject to death. He had to become a servant for us. He had to model what it was like to serve a God because that's what he expects of us. He did much more than just show up. He modelled true love by laying down his life for us in our place. And we can think of it this way. If there's a damsel in distress, the hero turns up and leaves the damsel just sitting there. What would happen if Superman just turned up? If he didn't do anything? The damsel's still in distress. She's still tied to the train tracks. And he stands there flexing his muscles saying, what's the problem? I'm here. It's all about me isn't it? He's not Superman unless he actually demonstrates Superman. He's not the hero until he does something great. Jesus isn't God until he demonstrates servanthood. Christmas is a time we celebrate his birth, but it shouldn't just stop at that day. Christmas is much bigger than just one day. What's the phrase we hear most on Christmas Day? Merry Christmas. Who's heard it more than 10 times today already? Well, this phrase is quite a powerful phrase. And I think we often don't, we don't understand the full depth of what this means. The word merry means to, make, uh, it means to be cheerful and lively. How many people are cheerful and lively this morning? How many are people are cheerful and lively normally at 6 a.m. in the morning? I'm sure if... <laughs> yes! That's because Michael's got six coffees in him by that time. <laughs> but the phrase to make merry means to celebrate noisily. Christmas is a time where most families celebrate noisily. At least our kids do. Christmas comes... The word Christmas comes from an old English word, Christes Messi. And I'll probably not pronounce it right. There's two parts to that word. The first one is Christ, which is a Greek word, meaning the anointed one, the Messiah. It comes from another Greek word that implies uh, coming in contact with oil, to smear all over, to rub into, to be fully furnished with whatever you need. Jesus wasn't just a man who came as a servant. He was furnished with the anointing of the Holy Spirit on his life. That's the word Christ. The word Mass is an old English word which refers to the Eucharistic service commemorating the Lord's Supper. And 1 Corinthians 11.26 says, every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, 
you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Communion is a declaration of a covenant that we have with Jesus Christ. It's a very powerful part of, of any service. And we don't, we're not limited to have to have communion just on a Sunday. You can have communion every single day. You can have it multiple times a day because communion is me remembering what Jesus did for me. If I'm sick, I can have communion at home. This bread symbolises the broken body for me. This blood symbolises, or the juice symbolises the blood that was spilt for me. The very blood and, uh, and body that were, uh, were sacrificed to make me able to go to heaven. That's what a Mass is. A Mass is a, is a celebration of communion, of the, the Last Supper, remembering what Jesus did for us. So we look at the phrase, Merry Christmas... I want you to think of this today. Every time somebody says Merry Christmas, it refers to a noisy, joyous celebration about Jesus, the anointed one who was born, who lived, who died in my place and rose again and then sent us into the world. And what we often don't realise is that the word mass means sent. So we don't just have communion. The purpose of communion is so that you can be sent. Merry Christmas means a joyous, loud celebration of Christ, of what he's done for us, birth, death, resurrection, and sending us into all the world. It's a celebration of who you are as a Christian. And the world uses this phrase all the time, Merry Christmas. And some people get upset when we see the phrase Merry Xmas. And people have complained, saying they're trying to take Christ out, the letter X is the Greek representation for Christ. So even if they take Christ out and put Xmas, they are still declaring Jesus as Lord. Christmas Day is a day we celebrate Jesus Christ as Lord. You don't sound excited about that. It's a day we celebrate the King of Kings. He's coming into the world. That's the day that he was born. We celebrate that, but we have to go so much further. We have to remember that Christmas Day includes the death, the burial and the resurrection, the sending, the commissioning of his church. That's what Christmas is all about. You can't have a death without a birth. You can't have a resurrection without a death. And Christmas is a time we remember everything about Jesus. But like I said yesterday, the manger is empty. The cross is empty. The tomb is empty. Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. I want to read out a devotional that uh, that Jono sent me yesterday. It's titled, What is Christmas All About? And the reference, the scripture reference is Romans 8.39. Nothing in all creation can separate us from God's love. That first Christmas, God did something extraordinary. Max Licardo puts it this way. Stepping from the throne, he removed his robe of light and wrapped himself in skin, pigmented human skin. The light of the universe entered a dark, wet womb. He whom angels worshipped, nestled himself in the placenta of a peasant, was birthed into the cold night and slept on a cow's hay. Mary didn't know whether to give him milk or to give him praise, so she gave him both, since he was, as near as she could figure, hungry and holy. Joseph didn't know whether to call him junior or father. But in the end, he called him Jesus, since that's what the angel said, and since he didn't have the faintest idea what to name a God he could cradle in his arms. 
Lucado continues, don't you think their heads tilted and their minds wondered, what in the world are you doing, God? Or better phrase, God, what are you doing in the world? Can anything make me stop loving you, God asks. You wonder how long my love will last. Find your answer on a splintered cross, on a craggy hill. That's me you see up there, your maker, your God. That's how much I love you. Paul asks, can anything separate us from the love of Christ? Then he answers his own question, nothing can separate us from God's love. Neither life, nor death, nor angels, or spirits, nor the present, nor the future, or powers above, or powers below. Nothing in all creation can separate us from God's love. That's what Christmas is all about. Yesterday we looked at a verse from Kings where God asked Solomon, ask. Christmas is about celebrating a king who was born, who lived, who died in my place, who was raised again and set in place a path that enabled me to have eternal life through Jesus Christ. He modelled servanthood. Yesterday we looked at the fact that God wants to see greatness through you and I, but in order for that to happen, we have to partner with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, unless I go, I can't send the Holy Spirit back. But he didn't send the Holy Spirit just for someone else to do something in the earth. He sent him to partner with you. Because he doesn't want to change the world on his own. He wants to change the world with you. Christmas is a time we celebrate who we are and what Jesus has done. I'm going to ask the music team to come forward and we're going to sing a song. But today's message is slightly different from yesterday's, although it's still the same. In order for God to bring greatness, we need to be willing to be a servant of others, just like Jesus was. Christmas Day is a day when we have lunch together as a family, we might have visitors up, we might serve them. And it's a great day to remember what servanthood is, but we have to live this out every single day. We have to go so much further. We have to remember the King who came as a servant for us. So the next time you wish for greatness, remember the story of the three trees. Sit tight and know that God has a plan for your life. God has a Christmas wish for you that matters more than what you could imagine. God has a big, huge Christmas wish. His wish will be for something far greater than anything you could ever ask or think.